Hello, beautiful human. Thank you so much for letting our conversation with Mike Posner into your ears today. We appreciate it. We're about to talk about his climb to Mount Everest, plus music, life, and everything in between. Share this podcast with those you care about, and I beg you, subscribe. And let us know what music you're listening to so we know who we should invite on the show next. Hit us up at Zach Sang Show on any form of social media. Let's go. Hello, beautiful human. Uh, Dan's here, and we welcome... Uh, back to the show, Mike Posner. Hello. What's up, Zach? What's up, Dan? Yo. Uh, I I cannot one thank you for giving us your time and energy today, because what you've been preparing for takes a lot of time, takes a lot of energy, takes a lot of focus. Correct? Yeah, I've basically been doing it full time. Kind of. Yeah, I'm crazy, man. You know, like I, I've kind of figured out that if I focus on one thing in at a time, I, I can really accomplish that thing or get that thing I'm working towards. Um, I'm not so good at balance, you know. <laughs> it's probably something I got to work on. But I, I finished walking across America about 18 months ago, and I started training to climb Mount Everest basically two weeks after that. Um, and and I. I waited until now to announce it because I wanted to raise money for a good cause and was lining up some some sponsors and we could talk about that and that took a lot longer than I thought it would um so I've kind of been training like uh in secret if you will um for the last year and a half and and feels good to finally today you know tell tell everyone what I've what I've been up to congratulations I really want to understand what what it takes to physically prepare for for a feat like this but it really does start with your walk across america that starts in asbury park and i i I mean i remember the first footage of you embarking on that journey and then the last piece of footage of you running into the ocean yeah you talked about not losing a year of your life in that walk but actually gaining a year yeah taking a year back yeah can can you explain that to, to to me like what does that mean how did sure. that give you a year? I was I was somebody who felt in some ways trapped under the weight of of my own life, like the life I'd created for myself. But in essence, I was living the life I created when I was 22 and I was 32, you know, at the time, or I was 31, I think. And I would basically make an album, go on tour, talk about myself make another album, go on tour, talk about myself, ad infinitum. And it was, I felt like I was playing in this little sandbox in West Hollywood, you know, in this little bubble. And I just had this feeling like there's there's something more inside me, there's something more out there for me. And I had this dream of, of walking across America and I put it off, Zach, for like five years. Because the walk, strategically, you're supposed to start it in spring. And mm-hmm. ideally, you finish in fall, so you miss winter. That's the idea. And uh, every spring, someone would get in the way. I always had a reason why I couldn't do it that year. And and was it work-related, t- usually? Like music stuff? or Yeah, yeah. There's always something, you know? And then you just realize that uh, these reasons aren't actually reasons. They're excuses. Uh, wearing pretty clothes, you know, like excuses masquerading as reasons. And, you know, uh, 
like Avicii died and Mac Miller died and I just realized, man, one day I'm going to die too, you know, hopefully not anytime soon, but who knows? So I need to, I need to live my life before I die, you know, and whatever chapters I want in the story of my life, I need to put them in there now. I can't keep waiting for, you know, a lot of us have like a, a list of things we got to do. And when we finish that list, we'll do the things we actually want to do or we feel called to do. And this is kind of a BS way to live. You know, it's like a, a life of waiting. And I had to I had to get out of that. I had to get out of that sandbox. I had to get off of that hamster wheel. And, and I had to walk. And it changed my life, man, because I didn't even know, I didn't even know this was on the menu. You understand? Like, I didn't know I could climb and do all this stuff I'm doing now until I did that walk. And it just obliterated this box I've, I had put myself in. I didn't even know I was in it. I thought that was life. I thought that was life. And I did the walk and it was like, kablooey. Life is way bigger. You are way bigger. You're capable of way, way more. Well, that's it. Uh -huh. Because you, yeah. you went against everything that humans defy. Like, like, you defied logic in a sense. You walked across the country. <laughs> Nobody walks across the country. <laughs> and in doing that, you meet and you come in contact with communities and people that you, I'm sure, would have never in your travels have been subjected to that. Correct? Every day. Every day. You know, I'm somebody, I'm a city boy. I, I was born in Detroit and I've lived my entire life either in a city or in a suburb of a city un until this last year. But while I was on the walk, you know, the walk is no matter how you, no matter how you like uh, route your walk across America, it's 99% rural. It's 99% not in the city. And uh, so, I mean, I just saw like different, different type of tractors. And shit. I was like, bro, I've never seen that ever before. Like, what, the f what is that thing? <laughs> they were like, that's the thing that puts the fertilizer down. Or that's the thing that plants it, you know? And uh, people just have a much different way of life, you know, outside of cities. And in some ways, it's more beautiful and uh, grounded and better and, you know, these things. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean every every day. I mean, there's no other time I was gonna walk through ah, Blairsville, Pennsylvania. Like you and I, we live here. You know, we spend a lot of time in L.A. I think you're yeah. in L.A. Still, none of our friends, no, know Blairsville, Pennsylvania, <laughs> and no no one they know knows. Like it, it just it, you would never end up there. And it was every day was like that. Whether it was the Walking across the Navajo Nation, wow. um, it was yeah. You just saw things. You thought, "Wow, wow." You really defy what you think you are capable of. And after you accomplish this incredible feat, is there an instant want for more? I mean, yes, because you said you wanted to do Mount Everest. But what is fueling your want to accomplish this? I mean. I mean, the toughest climb of all climbs, correct? No, that's that's incredible. I'm going to answer your question. but yeah, Please. Uh, Mount Everest is the tallest mountain in the world, but it's not even close to the, the hardest climb. Okay. And uh, 
you know, me climbing Mount Everest in the mountaineering community, it means absolutely nothing. It's not even a footnote in the history of great mountaineering feats. Uh, but in my life, it's a, it's a accomplishment. It means something to me because I know I basically didn't know anything a year and a half ago. So, yeah, there's there's much harder mountains than than Mount Everest, uh, and a lot a lot that I would never actually climb because they're they're too dangerous for me. But in, in my personal, isn't K two considered the hardest mountain to climb? It's definitely up there of of like the eight thousand meter peaks, you know, and, and that's one I wouldn't go near. Honestly, it's you know, I do, I have a line of, you know, what's acceptable risk for me, and K two's on the other side of that line. <laughs> Everest is on this side of that line for me. And it's different for everybody, you know, and it can move, but that's where I'm at today. It still takes 18 months for your body to get into shape enough to conquer this thing, right? I mean, like, you are downplaying it, but, like, to a mere plebe like myself, like a, just a mere commoner, like, Mount Everest, like, even from a movie perspective, it's like everybody sees it as, like, culture sees it as, like, the thing. Like, I don't know this K2, you know, yeah, cause it's the it's the tallest one. That's the thing, because it's the tallest one. So it's um, badass, dude. I'm not downplaying. You know, for me, it's it means a lot for me because I, like I said, I start from nothing. Uh, but I'm just, you know, out of respect to the to guys that do this yeah. for their their life. You know, I don't want to come on your show and act like you know I, I'm the best climber in the world because I'm not even freaking close. You know, and I'm going up there with my coach and I'll be climbing with the Sherpa who I think will be Dawa Cherry Sherpa. And without those guys, I wouldn't even have a, have a chance. And know? one of those guys is Dr. John, right? Yeah. Dr. John, my so coach. You do this together. It's going to be the three of you. How long will it take? And, and then there'll be an additional Sherpa with John as well. So it'll be four of us. Um, I don't know if we know who that, that person is yet, but, uh, yeah, I mean, dude, this is such a, John has become like a brother to me, you know, After the last year and a half we spent, I basically moved like down the street from him. <laughs> was, we were training a lot. I said, dude, can I just like come here and live? And he was like, yeah. So uh, we've spent an absurd amount of time on mountains together the last year and a half. And he's taken me and shared some of the most beautiful places in the world. Like you get up there, Zach, sometimes and you're just like, dude, I shouldn't even be allowed to see this. You know what I mean? Like, if you like, if you were to take a drug and see what it looks like, you would you'd be like, that was the best drug ever. But it's just there. It's, it's like me. God made it or reality made it that for you. And it's like, yeah, it's. I mean, I'm. I just feel so blessed, man. So blessed. You know, we've climbed to Ecuador twice. I've been to Pakistan with him and Mexico and amazing bro. you've done 40 different peaks and what do you scream when you're at the top of it is it something different every time or is it the same thing i heard it from john i don't know where this comes from but we it definitely is like a tradition that came for me but we always go summit say summit <laughs> summit the views that you've shot and you've you've shared from these climbs they look absolutely extraordinary and you've described it the right way i mean like like you couldn't even take a drug and imagine this beauty that yeah, is you just... get up there sometimes to see on the higher one, like the highest ones I've done are in Ecuador, these volcanoes and 
you got 19,000 feet, 20,000 feet, and you get up there, Zach, and you're you're above the clouds. You know, like it'll be maybe be a cloudy day, and you're 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 looking down on the like in the plane. You know, you couldn't go. Yeah. It's sometimes like there'll be a thunderstorm or something. It's below you, and you're just looking down on it. It's it's wild, and it's an amazing feeling. And yeah, I feel really grateful and blessed for sure, man. Mike, can you talk about the training that you've been doing for the past few months to prepare to climb this mountain? Sure. So I basically, you know, I finished my walk October 18th, 2019. I think November 1st or maybe it was November 3rd. I can't remember. So about two weeks later, uh, I climbed Mount Hood with, with my friend Colin O'Brady. And then he introduced me to, to Dr. John. And John has a great quote. He says, uh, he says, train for climbing mountains by climbing mountains. So we do a lot of climbing mountains. <laughs> uh, we've climbed a lot of Colorado, uh, in Wyoming, in California, uh, like I said, Ecuador, um, Mexico. And he went to Pakistan. I, I went with him there. And, you know, in between that, we're doing the things you'd imagine, like strength training and, and you know, cardio and that kind of stuff. But... A lot of just in the field, man, getting hot. We, we say, get high, get cold, get worked. <laughs> One of our sayings, you know. And, uh, yeah. So the best way to, like, get your body used to elevation is just by subjecting it to elevation. Yes. Uh, you know, thoughtfully, you don't just, like, yeah. go from zero to 100. So, you know, everything that John has, you know, he's like my boss. He's like my boss. Like, people be like, hey, are you free in two weeks? I'm like, I got to ask coach you know awesome. i don't know you know so like he he's been in control of my schedule and my life you know for the last year and a half and i do other things but it's like he fills up my calendar first and then i do other stuff in between you know and so it's just been a been a really gradual um addition of difficulty and skills you know we went from like you know you do a hard climb maybe it's 12 hours or 18 hours long and then, like, I started noticing we're doing two of those, like, two in a row. And then, like, it'd be three in a row. And, you know, so you, it's just... Gradual. Yeah, you look back. I look back at, like, you know, where I am now from where I started. It's pre I'm pretty proud, for sure. Do you feel like yeah. you're ready? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't go... I mean, I've never been there, so I don't... I couldn't know for sure firsthand, but I trust John literally with my life. And when we start, I said, look, bro, I, I have no interest in going there if I don't belong. And I still don't. I still have no interest in going there if I don't belong. So um, he when he tells me I'm ready, I, you know, I believe I'm ready. And uh, and um, so, you know, we're, we're just going to go there the same way we climb every mountain. We, we're conservative and um, go to have fun, but we go to stay safe, you know. And so... The mountain is not going anywhere you know if something isn't right the weather turns bad or you know you don't feel right with the altitude or something you, you just turn around and you can come back next year you can try you know you can try again and cool. so i you know I've, and i've done that before on training mountains sometimes you just don't don't make it <laughs> you know cool. but the most important thing is you you stay safe you stay alive you know it's a little different than like running or playing basketball, you know, I yeah. love basketball. Like you could push through, you know, if you feel pain or whatever, but yeah, if but you do you that, cannot. 
yeah, and you can lose your life, you know, being being silly like that. So that's what we're gonna we're gonna go have fun, man. I get to go to Nepal with my boy, <laughs> Dr. John, you know, and Colin will be there too. And I I just I'm excited for all the people I'm gonna meet and I'm just gonna have fun, you know, and stay safe and and that's it. Well, Mike, I want to ask if you've talked to Dr. John or any of the Sherpas about that last, like, 2,000 feet. I know it's called the death zone because of how little oxygen there is up there. Have you had a conversation with any of those guys about that last leg of the, the climb? Yeah. Sure, we, t- we talk about it a lot. Uh, you know, I'll be climbing with supplemental oxygen for sure, but John basically said it feels like climbing like you like you got kicked in the balls or something <laughs> like that, you know? It doesn't, doesn't feel great, you know, but yeah, that's it? why we that's why we put in the work that we have, you know. So, I mean, no matter how much you train, you can go and climb an 8,000-meter peak. It's going to be hard, you know. Especially with hard. that giant backpack on with all the oxygen tanks, right? Like, how much is that weigh? I think the tanks are about 10 pounds each, so maybe I have two, one or two of those. So it's not too bad. And, and on summit day, because you're – you're just going to the summit. You're not obviously camping on the summit. So all the days before, you had to carry your sleeping bag. Blah, blah, blah. No, you don't need that. So all you need is the oxygen, water, and some snacks. You know, So the bag won't be too too bad. You know, definitely carry some heavier bags this, this summer and stuff. But that's what it's about, right? Like you've subjected yourself to just different varying degrees of all of this in preparation. And you're doing it for such an incredible cause. I mean – you're doing it for the Detroit Justice Center um, that, I, I mean, talk about an organization that gives so much to the community that gave you so much. And I'm not going to lie, I watched the CBS piece, dude, and I started to swell up. You know, I had no idea that your dad had done did work for them as well. I mean, there's so, there's so much fuel here, um, and it's really remarkable. It's very, very special. Thanks, man. Yeah, my, my walk was really... Like we talked about about, about me, uh, but I wanted my climb. You know, I figured if I could do some good with it, I, I should. Um, and my dad, rest his soul, he, he passed four years ago. He was a, a criminal defense attorney in Detroit. He didn't work with the Detroit Justice Center. I think, I'm not sure how long they've been around, but I think it's in the five, six year range, I think. So he didn't work directly with them, but um, the work they do is like just amazing, you know. Uh, they they work on um, criminal justice reform, transforming the justice system in Detroit, creating economic opportunities, and um, trying to make more more equitable and just cities. And I'm from Detroit, you know, so uh, it was a it was a cause that like if I didn't. If I wasn't doing this and I just saw it, I'd definitely like donate money to them anyways. Cause I think they're incredible. And, um, but you know, given what my dad did, it was a way for me to simultaneously honor him. So, you know, for anyone listening, your listeners, uh, or watchers, um, you can go to gofundme.com slash Everest or mikeposner.com and it'll just pop you up. It just redirects you to the GoFundMe. And so, um, I need your help. You know, I'm definitely going to put some my money into it, but we can do a lot more together. Um, so, yeah, if, if you're listening, you could take a second, go to that website, gofundme.com slash Everest, and donate a dollar, five dollars, fifty dollars, hundred dollars, thousand dollars, 
whatever you can appreciate it if it's nothing um just share the link i appreciate that too anything goes a long way and there's going to be a link in the description below too and please give i mean this an incredible cause but an incredible journey um yeah it's dude this whole thing is really remarkable it is it is a feat. It is a moment. It's a life-changing mission, so to speak, right? Let's go! <laughs> it's cool. Mike, after the snake bite that you got, was there any thought in your head like, I shouldn't keep... <laughs> was there any thought like, well, I know you said in your video that you almost lost your leg, you almost, like, you were close to death. Was there any thought that maybe I shouldn't keep going, or was it always like, I'm finishing this no matter what? I never thought about quitting. Well, that's not true. I thought about quitting before I left. So I just a hack I got from David Goggins. David Goggins, he said, you know, everybody likes to visualize. And it's important to like, you know, wrap your head around yourself being successful. And that's important. He goes, but no one likes to visualize when it goes wrong. And I don't care how like aligned you think you are with the universe or how strong your vision board is you walk 2,851 miles something will go wrong mm -hmm. <laughs> something will go wrong so what I learned from Goggins was you have to visualize what you're going to do when something goes wrong so I had gone through this exercise in my notebook before I left I thought, you know what ha what happens if I get, break my leg like twist my ankle or what if I break my knee or something like that and I just decided and visualized and went through it. If that ever happened, I would heal and I would go to the spot where it happened and I would finish. So when the snake bite happened, I didn't have to, I didn't have to go through that. Should I quit all that? I had already done that. And it was at that point, it was just heal and, and go finish what you started. And actually the hardest part of snake bite is it wasn't getting bit by the snake. Uh, <laughs> actually it was like kind of nice because Dude, it was like a million degrees outside and you're walking alone like all day and you get bit by a snake. All of a sudden you're in like a nice bed and the air conditioning in the hospital and there's people to talk to and nurses and doctors, all that stuff. And so that wasn't the hard part. I mean, it hurt, but the hard part was actually when I got better. So I was, I, you know, was hospital five days and I went home for about two more weeks and you know, everyone's taking care of you. Everyone's writing you on Instagram, you know, and everyone's like making food for you, all this stuff. And then you sort of realize like, hey dude, like your leg is better. Your leg's better. You gotta so go. you have to you have to turn away from this cushy like sympathy cocoon that you're in and go back to the to the hell. You know, back to the grind on that scary road where there's no shoulder and there's rattlesnakes and cars are almost hitting you and and, it, and your feet hurt you have to go back to that and you have to make a decision to go back to that willingly that was the hardest part of the snake bite it wasn't the snake bite it was it was getting better and having to go back you know finish your life would be different if you didn't go back and finish right or you'd be a quitter you know who say quitters never win and winners never quit hey man Amen. Amen, right? I don't know who said that, but it's dope. <laughs> By the way, we haven't talked music in this conversation, which is cool, actually, to be honest with you. Um, and 
even though your whole life is documented through the records you put out there and if you really want to get to know you you listen uh i heard you mention a notebook is it still a green notebook that you have with you i changed the colors you Got know it. i gotta fill those things up i like these like um college rules yeah. you know for why and they're like 70 or 100 pages so i fill those things up but for a long time, you've been using the college rule. I remember, yeah, right? Yeah, same one. They have a certain feel to us, like a certain certain brand I like. Um, the one I just filled one up. It was it was purple, and I just bought one today. I think I got a blue one or something. I was looking at them. <laughs> but it's what, the same kind, you know? What does it feel when you go through a notebook? Is it like, do you feel like, I completed this? Or like, is it refreshing to open a fresh one? I don't feel much when I finish one, uh, except for yeah, a new one. But um, I'm kind of like, damn, I want to write and there's no space. But <laughs> uh, but when you get the new one, it's yeah, I feel like um, it does feel like that you're just creating from nothing. There's nothing in it. So that first page is kind of fun. You just, you know, you can, in some ways, like you're like a snake shedding its skin. You know, you're just starting over in some way, like in the haircut or something. It's cool. Um, is it wild to think that, uh, well, to think, to witness, like, what do you think of music today, dude? Like, Please Don't Go is a timeless record. You have many timeless records under your belt. That's just the truth. But, like, any part of you surprised that TikTok has, like, eaten this song and then, like, made it into a whole new thing? Of course, man. <laughs> you can't predict <laughs> that stuff. <laughs> Surprise for sure, man, you know, like. It's ridiculous, um, but you know, my uncle told me he said, you, you, "You just do the work. You just do the work." You know, so all I could control is I, I show up. You know, and if I'm making music, I try to make the most beautiful music I possibly can. And some of my favorite things I've made, like the my mo I think my most beautiful album maybe is a real good kid. It doesn't have any hit songs on it, you know. It's, it doesn't have like billions and millions of streams or whatever. But what you know, you just do the work, and then for whatever reason, my life every once in a while, like one of my songs gets really popular, and it's never one I expect. It's always a surprise, and I I just <laughs> I'm grateful for it when it happens because then it. <laughs> pace for my climbing habits <laughs> well, when, when you think about uh, a real good kid like is that a project that you made for yourself did you think about other people when you were crafting that or uh, they're, all for, they're all for myself you know i'm just i'm just trying to i'm just trying to make the music the way i hear it you know and so some of people ask me do you listen to yourself it's like yes are you kidding me like i tailor make the music the way I want music to be, yeah. you know? So like, I probably love my music more than anybody, you know, <laughs> like more than my biggest fans. I probably love it even more. So I'm always just doing it for me and like what lights me up and what Alan Watts said, you know, like you don't dance to get to a certain spot on the floor. It's the same thing with music. I'm not making it to get attention or like you know get elicit a emotional reaction out of certain people i'm just doing it to do it yeah, i love it and i love the process of it like the the process of making it is the is the high point stuff that comes after can be nice sometimes people like it sometimes people hate it sometimes you make money from it that's certainly nice when it happens but 
the reason I do it is because I love it. And I, you know, I did it. I started when I was eight and I'm 33 now. So that's 25 years. And it's about, it's about the first 12, 12 and a half years made no money. Yeah. Like, and didn't ever think about me, you know, just loved it. And now the second 12 and a half years has been my career. But if I ever stopped making money, I would still do it. You know what I mean? It, just like I did at the beginning. Because it, it, it's so much more than than money, right? Is that fair to say? It's who you are as a being. It's 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 a part of you. Like, it's a limb. Yeah, it's a, it's a gift. That's really what it is. We all have gifts, you know. I, I'm pretty at a lot of things probably most things uh i like to think i'm pretty good at music and it just it just brings so much life to my life it brings so much color to my life you know so yeah it's i i think i always will make music for sure do you ever blend the worlds of music and climbing like when you're going to nepal will you be writing there too or is the main focus solely on the climb yeah will a notebook come with you yeah notebook will, will come um but it's so much deeper than people will ever know. So when you're a writer or an artist with a capital A, you're you're looking for the truth. You're trying to find the truth in your work and share it with others. And when you change as a human or you grow as a human, you you write from that perspective. Quincy Jones said, you know, the deeper the human you are, the deeper the musician you are. And that's true. Um, but like, you know, one of the reasons I want to go to the top of Mount Everest, I want to hear what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what it sounds like. And, you know, when I'm walking across America, I'm listening and, and I'm recording too. I'm recording like when I'm on a climb in the spring and the streams are just starting to thaw out and the water is hitting up against the ice under, you know, that's still melting. I, you know, I'll record that. And when I'm on my walk, I'm recording, you know, the birds in New Jersey. They sound different than the birds in Illinois. And these are often become layers in the art, the music that I make. And sometimes they're really low in the mix. Sometimes they're even inaudible in the mix, but they're there. And so it's so much deeper than a pop song. You know, like there's layers in my stuff that I have to I have to live out these wild experiences to even get to to even know what that sounds like and i make music from that new new place wow i mean that's exciting for you for for the two to be connected but also for it to it, it's not new meaning to art but like to do it i don't know to do it differently because you, i'm assuming you haven't always been making music in that fashion right where you're you know layering just nature sounds or the, yes and no it was different things like yeah. I, I i remember being in high school and i had like kind of what's the word <laughs> like taken over you know the family computer and was had my little recording software in there and and you know you like mom starts yelling at me or or dad is giving me a lecture about something and just hitting record and they don't know you know they don't know they're they're being recorded, but like using things like that. So you know where I am and my journey has changed, but I always kind of 
capturing things like that. Well, I was wondering, since you're you're at such a different point in your life than when Please Don't Go came out, you ever think about what would happen if you and Benny Blanco like went back to a dorm room for a month and just spent a whole like a lot of time there? Like, what would come out of that? Oh, Benny Blanco, a pretty famous guy now. He keep the budget a month for me, <laughs> goof around. <laughs> but uh, I worked with Benny. Hmm, I guess it was like a, a, a year ago now. Uh, but Benny, you know, uh, was somebody who heard my music when I was still in college, and he's been my friend for 11, 12 years now. So. I hope we can make some more music again. Uh, we'll see. Mike Posner, I can't thank you enough for giving us time and energy today. Um, we've covered a lot here, but also I, I ask everybody to go back and listen to Mike's music with a different ear now, knowing that those layers exist and knowing that those layers are so reflective to where you at and where you're at in that moment in life is um, really incredible. And I'm excited to see what comes from this climb in terms of art. Uh, yeah, really, really, really exciting. But I, I got to ask, like, as you sit here today, what do you want to be remembered for? And do you think what you want to be remembered for today will change after you accomplish this feat? Remember is a funny word because music works in a mysterious way. And I, I suppose literature is the same, but... I can write about what it's like for me to be Mike Posner right now. And someone who maybe isn't even born yet could hear it in 20 years in there right now. So when they're hearing it, it's also right now for them. And if I do a good job, I'll hit upon something in what it's like to be Mike Posner that is hard to articulate that that person in the future will go that's what it's like to be me. And I never knew how to say it. And no one ever gets it. But that's it. He said it. Or he or the chord, you know, the music said it. And we've all had experiences like that. Zach, I'm sure you've had experiences yeah. like that with certain artists or, you know, paintings on the wall or, or, or books you read. With your so, own. Yeah, so my life you know hopefully does that you know my life will hopefully um make some human now or in the future feel less alone and feel like oh yeah that's what it's like to be me too um and that goes for my music but also these these projects as well you know and so i i feel like each like the walk across america was an album also and the climb is an album also. And they're all p little pieces, they're all chapters, but when you put them all together, hopefully that arc will be really like the most beautiful piece, the most beautiful piece. And uh, yeah, man, that's it. Well, Mike, I, I, I don't wanna to get too ahead of ourselves, but do you ever think about what, what your next accomplishment you wanna do after this is, or do you not think that far ahead? Of course, I think about it all the time. I'm a planner, my friends make fun of me, you know? <laughs> it might seem like I'm not, cause I'm like doing these things that are kind of, they're always a, are always a left from what like the normal way would be to go, but the left is always like very planned out and researched uh, ad nauseum. 
so yeah, I've thought about it a lot, but really the only thing I have planned is I'm going to, when I get home this summer, I'm going to a monastery for two or three weeks, depending when we get back. And there's this cool monastery in Colorado where they allow you to, to do private retreats. And basically that means like they have the big monastery and then up on the mountain, like <laughs> there's a cabin and they drive you up there and they just leave you. There's just a cabin there with, you know, no running water, no phones, no electricity, nothing, you know, it's like an outhouse. And I've been there a couple of times. And so I'm going to go back. I just need to stop. I need to stop for a second because I, I did my walk and, you know, God willing, I will, I will be able to do this climb. And uh, I just need to stop and, and, and think about that, you know. Um, but I need to, when I think about it, I need not to be doing anything else, like not being productive. It's really hard to do nothing, it turns out. <laughs> when you do nothing, you seem to heal and repair, right? Uh, yeah, man. Like we could do a whole podcast about going to this monastery because I've done it two times before and it's, it's insane. You know, the first time I went for a week, you just don't, you just don't see another person. People always ask, is it a silent retreat? I'm like, dude, you could do whatever you want, but there's no, there's no one there to talk to. So it is alone. Yeah. You're alone. It's a solitude, you know, and the same time when it was two weeks. So it's, it's really a trip. You never knew how long a day was, man. Till you just you just there, watching the sun go across the sky. When you said I might do Everest, you never know. Back in 2019 on Prince Hakim, was that? Did you already know back then you were doing it? <laughs> joking, dude. Really? I was joking. Like it didn't. It didn't become. I didn't really realize I could do this until I did. Until I did the walk, and I made Prince Hakim right before the walk, and I released it while I was on the walk. But the walk was like, like wow, oh, shit. like when you finished, there was no feeling of accomplishment. Like I'm still on it. It was just a feeling. It was like opening the new notebook. It's like, wow, like what could I do now? It was a feeling of wonder and excitement, inspiration, but not achievement. And so, uh, yeah, the walk, the walk made that feel like. It really, when I went, I got bit by a snake. And then I got to the Rocky Mountains. I went up and over the Rocky Mountains. I felt I felt invincible. Like man, if that if that couldn't stop me, nothing can stop me. You know, I can do anything. And the last question I had is, does like space travel interest you? I feel like I'm gonna see in six years Mike Posner, first celebrity to go to space. More than anything, dude. <laughs> I'm not rich enough to afford these freaking tickets. <laughs> So, so but, TikTok, uh, please don't go a little bit more. Are these tickets like fifty million dollars or something crazy? No, I can't afford that, dude. And I'm not even close. <laughs> I'm not even close. But uh, but yeah, more than anything, since I was a little kid, I thought, man, to go to space, look back at Earth, you know, yeah. where where borderlines disappear and and as Bono said, cities connect. You know, like. Mm. What could be cooler than that? I, I, I want to, like, if you wrap up all my musical goals and my walk and my climb, all that stuff, I want to go to space more than all those put together. Wow. wow. Oh, even if cool. you don't come back? No. Oh. You, got... you, you can't just add that on. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, you, but you... you're going to die. Well, no, but the concept is like, I mean, I mean, I mean, I guess people do go up and then come back. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. It's... Most people, dude, unless something bad happens. <laughs> well, there's a risk in anything. <laughs> That's and question, always the goal. We've talked about it before. Like, if there is an opportunity for you to go, but there obviously is the risk that you don't return. Like, do you take that risk to be one of the people that go to the moon or one of the first people to land on Mars? And I would say, yeah, I think that's an incredible thing to be able to do. It'd be pretty cool. Uh, I, For me, it would be a no, but maybe if I was a little older and I didn't have that, as much time on Earth, then then I might change to a yes. Well, right now you're Imagine conquering. Imagine like you, you, like you finish, you're like retiring, and you're like, you know what? I don't really want to sit around, so I'm just going to like Mars. send it. And imagine those sounds you could record up there. Yeah. Like... <laughs> The sounds on the top of Everest are cool, but the sounds on Mars are even cooler. We'll see, bro. <laughs> There's a mountain on Mars. I think it's called Olympus Mons. So Mount Everest is 29,035 feet tall, I think. Yeah. Olympus Mons is 70,000 feet, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the tallest mountain in our uh, universe. Is that right? I believe so, right? yeah. Wow. wow. I didn't know that. That's yeah. wild. We got to set goals, right? That's Zach. Slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> That's for you, Zach. Zach, 2028, Olympus Mons. Yeah, I'll see you up there, dude. <laughs> Mike Posner, you're an, you're an incredible human being. Uh, please, GoFundMe link in the description below. Please. Give money to the Detroit Justice Center, and in turn, you are, uh, you, you are helping bring uh, just awareness, but also just funds to an incredible organization and also this climb is really uh just an an amazing feat and i have so much respect and appreciation for you as a human being as an artist and now like as an explorer and as a what, what is the title a mountaineer is that they say mountaineer or alpinist either an one alpinist oh an, an alpinist an honor sir an honor <laughs> yeah novice alpinist <laughs> Uh, Dr. John's Mountaineer in Residence. Dr. John's a badass. He has a new Instagram follower in me. Uh, also, put a link to his Instagram down in the description below. Shout out to Dr. John. And big yeah, thank you. Dog. Big thank you to you, Mike Posner. Uh, you, you've been doing, you, you gave me my first interview with you like 11 years ago, and you have been doing charity work ever since. <laughs> and I can't thank you enough for coming on my show always. And I love you. With everything, I mean, yeah, your music has changed my life for the better. So thank you for, thank for you, existing. I, I remember that day. Was that that was Warp Tour, right? Dude, bamboozle, bamboozle, New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zach interviewed me. Well, I mean, we talk about this every interview, but I'm sure you have, you know, I'm sure you have people listening to you that that weren't listening to you last time I was here. Truth. But yeah, Zach interviewed. How old were you? Like fourteen? Yeah, I was a fetus. And and you, you were young, dude. This dude comes up. He interviews me. Like in a parking lot. Remember, we like went yeah. between two trucks or something. It was all loud and stuff. And you're like, "Yeah, this guy has like he has a huge radio show. He started it when he was four, you know." <laughs> <laughs> but you remember. The and trucks. he was just great, dude. You just had great, like you know, you're doing. I was doing a hundred interviews that day, and they all suck. And then like, it was just so refreshing to talk to you, and it still is, buddy. So thank I, you. I, I can't thank you enough and uh, love and appreciation for you and sa safe journey. Everything is uh, everything's going to be amazing. I'm very excited for yeah. you. And, and uh, yeah, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Peace. Can you come back on when you're back? We want to talk to you about how, how the climb was.
And then we'll talk after the retreat, too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, silence first. Silence comes I'm, first. I'm really good. Mm. <laughs> quiet interview. Just, you talk with your eyes only. Um, yeah. <laughs> Dude, peace and love to you. Have an amazing day. All right, boys. Bye. Later. Bye. Hey, beautiful human. Thank you so much for joining our conversation with Mike Posner today. We really appreciate it. I can't thank you enough for giving us your time and energy. And let me know who you're listening to and who we should have on the show next at Zach Sang Show on any form of social media. Please be safe. Hug your family if you can. And don't go to jail. Have an amazing day. Peace and love. Talk soon.